All episodes of the Garage Build podcast are recorded live in the Law Fran studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or go to lawfran.com. The law offices of Fran Hosh, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for over 20 years. Welcome back to the Garage Bill Podcast. As always, this episode of the Garage Bill Podcast was recorded in the Law Fran Studios. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN and follow at Fran Hosh Law Group. We are also brought to you by SNS Cycles. Since 1958, SNS has led the V-Twin aftermarket from innovative new ways to get air and fuel into your performance twin to big bore kits for all big twins, sportsters, and M8s to today's must-have exhaust components. Choose SNS Cycles for your next performance upgrade. Visit sscycle.com and follow SNS Cycles on social media at SS Cycle. Team Dream Rides in Maryville, Tennessee is located only minutes from the tail of the dragon, and they specialize in performance engine upgrades, used bike sales, service, maintenance, and repair. Visit John Jessup and his team over at Dream Rides at www.teamdreamrides.com or follow at Dream Rides Tennessee on Instagram to keep up with all the latest news. The High Seas Rally sets sail this October 29th through November 5th on the High Seas for the only motorcycle rally on a cruise ship. One week, 3,500 bikers in four Caribbean ports. Follow at High Seas Rally on Instagram and use the code SPEEDMETAL when you book and you're gonna save 100 bucks on your cabin price. And this year, the drinks are on us. We're brought to you by 1620 Workwear, a premium made in the USA workwear, guaranteed for life. Visit www.1620usa.com and use the discount code SPEED2022. You're going to save 20% at checkout. Also, follow on social media at 1620USA. Today's episode is a really good one. Sat down with a guy named Kyle Krim from Strike Force Energy. It's an energy drink that you can carry on the go. It's pretty awesome. I can't wait for everybody to find out about this because I just found out about it. And uh, we sat down. We actually talked for about an hour and a half. So it's a really, really good episode. And uh, he's enlisted currently in the Florida National Guard. We talked about that and talked about some events and talked about some other things with Strike Force Energy Drink. It's time to get this thing out of the garage and out on the street. You're listening to the Garage Build Podcast with your host, Jason Holman. There you go. Yeah, it's it's weird. These mics are like really high quality mics, but if you do this, it sounds it's you can hear that somebody's doing that. Do the you, wave. Yeah. So, are you from Tampa originally? So originally, I'm from Fort Walton. So. I that's guess that's the in the panhandle, panhandle, right? Yeah. So originally, I'm from Fort Walton, Niceville area. Okay, we had used to have a customer. Uh, well, I guess he's still. I, I still know him. His name's Evan Robinson. He's got a. He's got an FXR. He worked for Team Dream Rides for a little while. He was from from uh, Fort Walton Beach, right, or something. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Fort yeah. Walton Beach. Uh, what was it? When I was in college, I actually worked for the HD dealer up there for a while. Back when it was Heritage Cycles, before the. It, it used to be like one of those. Few Didn't the Furmans buy that? Is that one of the ones that the Furmans bought? Because I know no, they bought the one up Furmans in the Furmans bought, uh, they actually built uh, Panama City. Oh, did they? Yeah. So they built one. So like 
back when I lived up there, there wasn't a Harley dealer in Panama City, but they had Thunder Beach. Um, well, yeah, the rally, going right? Up there. Yeah, so the rally's up there all the time, so we used to just roll over there. But the closest uh, Harley dealership was either ours, and I think Tallahassee, but Tallahassee was a bit further away, which I think at one point Furman owned. They owned Tallahassee, and I think they sold it and bought Panama City or built it. There seems to be a lot of that going on. Like, you know, the rumor is is that they're closing a third of the dealerships. We don't know what that means. I think there's, I don't know if there's a thousand dealerships in the country. I don't know how many there is, really. Yeah. Um, you know, it just. I know they own like five. I think right now. They own Brandon, Tampa, Newport, Ritchie for sure. I know yep. they own Panama, Panama City, City Beach. That's four. I mean, that's, that's a pretty large, that's a pretty large yeah, corporate I think, footprint. I think they sold Tallahassee. And then um, when I was talking to some of them, because they, we went up to Thunder Beach this uh, mm-hmm. past spring. We went to Daytona. Uh, that's where I met Dougie and all all of the Revolution Performance people and stuff. They just happened to be staying at our hotel. Right. And uh, then we went out to Thunder Beach, and the hotel that we picked, we were just like, oh, location looks good. It's kind of close to the Harley and Indian dealers, and... It's over here by the actual fairgrounds, and so Bruce just booked the hotel, not really knowing knowing where all the stuff was because he had never been to Thunder Beach, and it turns out like we were probably like five hundred meters from the stage. <laughs> like, so is that is that event? Would you say so? Like uh, I've never been to that event, but I've been okay. to Galveston, and Galveston kind of shuts down a part of the downtown area of Galveston, Texas. And then it kind of everything, all the Airbnbs and everything in the hotels all kind of work out to be, it's kind of like rally centric, right? Mm-hmm. But it sounds like, you know, there's the there's the one that they do in Sarasota in February. I, I'm trying to think what the name of that is. I think it's like Thunder on the Bay. Thunder on the Bay, right. Like that. That's like on a fairgrounds. And once you leave that, it's not biker. There's no biker, biker stuff going on. It's all like on the fairground property, right? So there's people yeah. camping there and shit. Is it one of those rallies where it's kind of like it's in this area right here with walls around it, or is it is no, it kind of like kinda, it's the whole town? It's kind of just like the whole the whole town out there. They've kind of gotten Panama City's definitely. I know like the first couple of rallies that I went to up there, it was like spaced out everywhere. Like you go down, uh, what is it, ninety, the main like drag right there by right. the water, and you had like uh, I think it was like Sharkies and like a. Uh, I think like redfish, bluefish. There, there's just all those like beach traps. <laughs> Fucking Dr. Seuss. Yeah, yeah. Like all <laughs> of those, fish, fish, all of those like uh, you know, like it's Panama City, right? It's huge, like spring break destination. Yeah, I, so all of I those, never went there. All of those restaurants and stuff that are on the beach and everything just kind of open up their parking lots. So you'll have like vendors set up. Like it's not very the the fairgrounds is where a bunch of like the concerts and stuff like that go on, right? Um, but I mean, you have like the Harley dealership there is basically a destination at this point. Like the way that they built it is very, it's not as big as like destination Daytona where it's like multi-level, like huge. I just heard that destination Daytona sold. Did it? Yep. The Ross Meyer sold it. I have not spoken. I know Will and I know Shelly, uh, just kind of just through a, a few things last year. I've known who they were for a long time and we yeah. have some mutual acquaintances, but I haven't, I haven't, I really want to talk to Shelly and have her on her. Cause she's a, you know, she's a son's a speed racer and she's obviously, you know, second generation Harley dealer and she's very active in, in things. And yeah, uh, I don't, you know, I just was watching the BRL highlight. Like I was watching the full thing after it had happened and uh, what is it? Their rider actually took third. 
That's awesome. In the rain, like it was like. So that was that was that Moto America over the weekend that was in New Jersey. Yeah. Okay, so that's Moto America. That's a little bit different. The B- BRL is the Bagger Racing League, and is so it? yeah, so there's some stuff. We're actually. Um, is my, there two different? There is. There's two sanctions. Because I thought they have it as BRL on Moto America. Really? Yeah. I think um, so. so the one with Travis Wyman, it was uh, Tyler O'Hare. Tyler uh, O'Hare won, right? Tyler and Kyle Wyman. Kyle Wyman ended up winning. The so I think Kyle race, and Travis Wyman, they are Moto America only. Okay. And um, I, I don't. I don't want to talk out of school. Cause I know at one time it was right. Yeah, I don't. So, I don't know a ton about it. I just know that they were. Uh, one of my buddies is huge. He's from uh, Crandon, Wisconsin. Okay. And who's that? Uh, just one of the guys that works with us. Kyle. Oh, okay, I thought maybe it was somebody that raced. No, so uh, he's got a bunch of buddies that do uh, like the dirt track circuits and stuff up there. And so he like religiously goes to the races and like the MotoGP races and all sport bike stuff and everything. And he was like, Hey, are you going to watch the races this weekend? And I was like, I don't know. I'll probably turn it on or whatever. Cause I know we had at the, uh, what was it? When they were doing the Isle of Man. God, that's, had, that's insane, isn't it? Dude, it's fuck, the sidecar one is what's insane. I've never seen that one. Oh my God. The sidecar racing stuff, I had no idea it existed. These dudes are literally. I, just, I'm 49 years old and I'm just finding out right now. Oh, it. Uh, so Bruce, our CEO, is huge into sport bike racing. That's uh, We were trying to find him uh, a road glide to build and ended up buying a uh, Challenger just because none of right. the dealerships wanted to play. It was his birthday. We went <laughs> right. looking around. Uh, we tried to pick up a new road glide ST. And they had marked it up like eight grand. I won't. I won't say what dealership it was. It wasn't one of the, the Furman ones. It was one of the other ones over there. Right. And the sales manager, like coming from a guy that worked at a Harley dealership, like, right. I get it. There's markup on bikes that are eight thousand dollars. Pretty egregious. Yeah. Like you're. And then the other thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way was the way that he went about it. Instead of just being like, "Hey, man." Uh, we've only one. gotten like one of these in and there's not very many of these road glide <clears throat> sts rolling around right he went into like oh well the paint costs more uh, and okay. the, this and i'm like so he's going feature and benefits yeah and i'm like Instead dude it's like a road glide market. st you only get two colors like i can't pick you get black <laughs> which is the baseline right and you get the gray or the gray right gray like yeah. there's only two colors of it what do you think of the new uh el diablo st i think it's pretty cool i my buddy just bought one. I was super amped for the the ST, and somebody ruined it for me. That meme that they they put out where the bag is the different sizes. Oh, on, on the it. two different sizes. Yeah, yeah. and it, I don't know why. Like now, I just like that's for some reason. Like it was it was something that I would have never thought about. Right. Right. Like, but now that like somebody brought attention to it, now it's that like you just told those. me that too, I'm just I remember that now. Yeah, and I'm that. like I'm like Harley, what do you like? You were so close to hitting it like almost perfect, right? Like yeah, I mean I think isn't it funny that you know I mean well so let's let's back up real quick. I'm talking with Kyle Krim from Strike Force Energy Drink, right? Yeah, is that what you guys go by for? You go yep. just go Strike Force Energy. Um, okay, been around since 2016. So right on. Um, I've kind of bounced around in the company we used to roll like when i first joined we were rolling out a ton of 7-elevens um it's a liquid concentrate uh it's basically an energy drink on the go so nice you don't have to have it like in a cooler or anything like that you can pretty much just grab a cold water or any sort of uh cold beverage and throw it in there throw it in there go. 
You said the original. I'm going to try one of the original ones because you brought a bunch of this stuff here today. Yeah. I'm going to open one of these. I'm going to take one of these home with me. Yeah, the original. So all It tastes like another famous brand, right? It does. There's a little flag here that says Made in America, too. That's kind of cool. Yeah, we make everything in-house. So our our old warehouse was over in uh, Palmetto at uh, Port Manatee. Okay. And we were there from, like, 2016 up until 20, I think either the end of, no, I think it was the end of 21. Um, so through COVID, yeah, yeah, through gotcha. COVID, we make everything in house. Really? Yeah. So, so you're uh, even packaging stuff in house. Yep, we've got our own packaging machine. Uh, we, uh, Kyle, the other dude that's big into the racing and stuff from Crandon, uh, he's our mixer. So he's the one in the back weighing everything out and putting it in all. He's in the lab basically. Just that tastes good. Yeah. <laughs> that, that original it taste. It, it's exactly what you said it would taste like. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the big thing for us is, like, trying to get a zero sugar, zero calorie that actually tastes like it is supposed to. Like, most zero sugar stuff has a very distinct taste. That doesn't have any, like, uh, any weird stevia or saccharin or aspartame aftertaste at all. Yeah. So, you guys, you guys, obviously, I won't go into the proprietary, proprietary nature of how you do it, but I wanted to, I want to talk a little bit about since you work for an energy drink company and that's how we met. Well, actually we met cause you bought a fairing. I yeah. forgot <laughs> you came in Dude, and you're like, Dude. so I've had, when I bought my bike, so I've got a 07 Dyna. Nice. Um, the guy that originally had it, uh, the guy that originally built it or whatever, uh, or had it ordered was a Marine that was overseas. And so he did like the full, like I've got deployment money. I'm going to buy me a motorcycle. And it's 2007, so I want to say it was before Sons of Anarchy. Um, that's right about the like same time. 08 or something it, it's like a, that. Yeah, that's like a, when it first came out yeah. or 07. I don't remember when it was. Then. People started riding through this world all alone. but Yeah, you know, <laughs> two wheels of loneliness and everything. Right. Um, but, yeah, so it was a very, like, 2007 Southern California, like, club-style build. Right. Um, it had the original like HD clamshell little fairing on it. Um, little quarter fairing. Yeah. It it's had, a cool fairing. Uh, like a, uh, like a, uh, FXD and FXDX or like a, an no, a- like the, the P and a one that they Got used you. to put on the narrow glide front yeah. ends. I kind of um, like that fairing a lot. I, so I actually really dig it. Um, there's only one company that I've found though, that makes a taller windscreen for it. Right. Cause I, I kind of wanted to blend like. It's an 07, so it's not a an FXDX or anything, but or FXDXT. But I kind of wanted with this bike. I've had I had a Sportster that was built up and like hopped up, like just fun little bar hopper, like right. really monster thing. It was it was ridiculous. It was tiny and it was like riding around a 110 basically. <laughs> like <laughs> you could just rip it around and do whatever you wanted on it, and you drop it and pick it back up and keep going. Um, Very underrated bike. Oh, yeah. by modern standards yeah i saw your your 1200s out there and yeah. i was like that is that I is probably that one of the most underrated <clears throat> like unknown bikes like everybody knows fxrs everybody knows like fxdx's and the t-sports and all that stuff but like that bike our porter had one up at the harley dealership and he ripped that thing or he was an older dude like if you ever wanted your bike super clean that was the dude. He was he was the dude. He'd spent a ton of time and had all these tricks for getting all kinds of crap fixed. 
and he would rip around on that fucking bike. When people tell me, when people talk shit about sport, like it's funny, I kid around about sportsers and I love there's the sportster memes are fucking <laughs> hilarious. But Dude, when you are. if someone is really ripping on them, they either A have never ridden one or it's like uh they secretly they it's like it's like that old uh um Joe Rogan joke. Where people that are like really aggressive towards gay people are yeah. afraid that they might like dick. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those kind of things. It's like yeah. you're not really paying attention if you don't realize like the how good of a bike Dude, they have a sports can be. Yeah, like, that's, exactly. That's no, they do. That's not a touring bike. To, when it comes to motorcycles for me, like as long as it has like if it fills a need or it does something really well, like by all means, then that's cool. Like you get it done. Yeah, like you know, like the adventure touring bikes, like I personally don't really don't give have a fuck a about them. For them. Yeah, I don't either. But at the same time, like <coughs> I lived in a spot in Alaska where we had a bunch of logging roads, and at one point, like where I was living and stuff, that's like, a very suitable bike for roads that. Than there was paved roads. Sure, like, there's one paved road on the island. There's a bunch of logging roads. That bike, like a Pan America or one of the BMW or the KTM ones. Yep. Would have been fucking awesome for up there because you could have ripped around, like went out camping, hunted, like you can do a lot of stuff with it in that area. But like down here. It's all flat and open and like 70 miles an hour for the most part. So, and you can go 70 miles an hour. I mean, like people think, so I hear that people say this a lot of time, especially like Jace Hudson, it rips on Florida quite, quite a bit. It's funny. You know what I mean? Um, but there is good riding here. There is there. It's, you go south of here, here 20 minutes. If yeah. you go south, have you ever been south of here 20 minutes going to the mines down where the phosphate mines are? Uh, I don't, so I live over in, uh, I'm living over in, uh, technically it's like Riverview. North okay. So Ruskin you're, yes, yeah, so you're, so I you're west of here, from, yeah. so, but you, so you come up the back way up 37 yeah. when you come yep, here through Lithia and all Okay. That. So when you're going home, if you turn a left at left at stream song, mm -hmm. you can go back there for hours and I've done it because when I moved here, I didn't know anybody. My wife and kids lived in Michigan still. So I would just I didn't want to get like lost to the point where I was fucked. Yeah. So I would like leave my house and ride 10 miles this way and then go 10 miles that way. And then go 10 miles, you know, and kind of make like <laughs> this big, this big circle, just kind of making it bigger and bigger. And then you can go out there and just, you can fuck off for hours and yeah. not see a cop. Sometimes not see another, an, another, uh, motorcycle vehicle, or, or yeah. vehicle, you know, for quite, quite some time. And so, yeah, that's you know. like riding out here, like riding. I don't, I don't go. I think the GPS, if you look at the GPS, it's like, oh, fastest way, take I-75 no. and I-10. It's That's like, boring. No, it, yeah, it's and it, you know there's going to be traffic on it because mm -hmm. there's always traffic. There's always traffic. The only time I haven't had traffic on I-4 is, what was it? It was one of the, it was actually last, uh, or spring rally up in Daytona. We, uh, I rode back or whatever because I was just going to, we were going to go do something with the kids or whatever. So I was over there for a couple of days and then rode back. And it was like probably like eleven o'clock at night, just like ripping through I four. Like I hit all of those, uh, uh, what is it? Like the toll that like toll like fast lane that they have. Oh yeah, through yeah. Orlando. Through, through Orlando now, yeah. dude. I feel like a fucking Kennedy when I'm on that. I was driving that. <laughs> I was going to Cam's house. Uh, I didn't know a if few it was open. Yeah, or I didn't closed. know either. Like nobody was the, on it. Yeah, the first like, time I went through there, I was like. Oh, I want to be over there, yeah. right? Well, so when I when I went back over to Cameron's house up in Jacksonville, I was like, "Later, nerds!" I just get in that left lane. I was like, Shh. "And dude, I passed so many fucking cars. It probably cost me twenty bucks in tolls." But I'm like, "I don't give a fuck." Yeah, dude, it was awesome. I was yeah. like, "Wow, oh, okay." Like, yeah, right. It's all brand new road. Yeah, 
and there was nobody on it. Mm-mm. Like, and there's just nothing but traffic over here. I'm like, this is perfect. Like, we can't lane split here, so this yeah. is the next best option. Um, but yeah, and then funny enough, riding home from there, I met. Uh, I've seen him around a couple of times. Uh, he's the reason why I know about uh, Kyle Ray Rice. Yeah, I haven't met Kyle yet. He lives down there in Sarasota, so I've got to run over and drop off some stuff to him too. Um, that kid is so fucking talented. Dude, it, it makes me sick. Looks fucking insane. No, it like so. Kyle, I'm trying. I don't even remember how I met Kyle, but I met Kyle. Uh, I think through Instagram, and I just I was looking at his bike, and I I uh, I'm trying to. We do a show uh, here called the Wheels of Steel. It's an indoor show. We do it in the wintertime, you know? Okay. And we get builders come from all over the country. And we have, like, kind of like a professional uh, builders showcase. Yeah. And then we have, you know, some other stuff. We have some vendors and things like that. Um, but Kyle got invited to to that. And I did a podcast with him. And uh, he won it the first year. And the way we do it is if you, if you win, we pick somebody to build a trophy. That's mm-hmm. how it started. We picked with uh, we started with Brian Butera. He built a trophy. He comes to the show. He picks the favorite bike in the whole room. Any bike that's in competition is eligible for this award. And then whoever wins it has to agree to build the trophy and come back the following year and pick and their select favorite. their favorite. Right. So we do that so that it's an it's a there's no politics. Yeah. It's one person picking, so there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, and you got to build a killer trophy, so there's pressure there, and um, it's an artist-owned trophy. So year after year after year, the artists are selecting who they want to win. Yeah. So it, it's and then it's they pass cool. it on. Like that seems like a really cool. We did like, that so that we it. wanted people to be. We wanted that award to be something that people really, really wanted to get their hands on like they wanted to win that yeah, it's a one-on-one and dude we've got the people that have won it so far you have kyle ray rice won it you have uh fish alcorn who won it with francine and then rick bray won it i mean you're talking about arguably three of the most talented um builders that are new not new on the scene but i mean like rick rick's been doing this for a long time and this all of a sudden like he just wins everything he's in. I mean, he's just, he's <laughs> one of those dudes, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I saw just recently or whatever I saw, uh, so I met, I met one of his buddies at, uh, the Seven Eleven right there. Actually, I think it might be like Lakeland. It's like the Seven Eleven either like right as you're going into Orlando, like it's on the outskirts of Orlando. Kay. I need a gas pull in there. There's another dude on a Dyna. Right. And it was like an older Evo Dyna. I'm like, up dude nice bike like as i'm pumping gas right like just to like joke around and he's like yeah nice bike man (laughs) (laughs) so we started talking and stuff and then he's like oh yeah like followed each other on instagram hey man uh i saw him met another dude that's got a couple one of his other buddies has uh he's got a dyna that's got the fxrt fairing and i think he's got some of like the pelican case What's that? There's that company or whatever that makes yeah. all the the well. So you have uh, bare knuckle bare knuckle performance does one that uses a pelican style case, and then there's a dude I believe he's in Canada yeah. that makes a, a set of brackets that ha- Cam has them on on his I've big seen, boy FXR. I've seen a lot more of him. Re- a lot of the Canadians, man, are pumping out a ton <clears throat> of like stuff here. I think recently. COVID and the lockdown created the situation where they had to be innovative and start using some of the resources they have up there, and you know, and and that's that's one of those takes pressure to make diamonds kind of situations where, yeah. you know, they couldn't get shit I, across the border this last weekend or whatever. Uh, 
I went to an event that was a veterans expedition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of our, one of my good friends, he, uh, he owns, it's him and his two other buddies from his ODA and they own, a, what is an ODA for people that don't know? Uh, it's a operational detachment alpha. It's basically like a special forces team. Okay. Um, they're the, I know a bunch of just cause that's my hometown. I've ended up meeting a ton of the seventh group guys and, uh, yeah, so they run. They actually started in COVID, making leather patches, like right? Leather morale patches and stuff because they were in Afghanistan. Got this patch or whatever that was like a janky, like knockoff leather, like pleather <laughs> yeah. looking thing, and they were like, "Huh." So then they ended up they ended up buying the stuff during COVID and just playing around with it in my buddy's garage, and now they're crushing it. Like they're making hats for all kinds of different companies and like I know they at some point they've done some stuff with the NFL now they're huge in like the military space like these these dudes will make like a a patch hat Mm -hmm. and like I'll try to just support them because they're my homies right like try to support them and buy something and I remember I was like okay that's cool hat like I'll pick one up and it was like 12 minutes like I think I walked outside I was like grilling something like the drop happened, I like walked outside, was like flip the burgers, put barbecue sauce on the chicken, something like flip the steaks or something, come back in, sit down to buy it. And it was already sold out. And I was like, Shit. I, I texted, I texted my buddy Chris and was like, dude, what the hell? He's like, yeah, I know. He's like, every time he's like, we don't, we can only make so many. Of them. What's the name <laughs> like, of the company? Uh, Bald Bros. Okay. So it's called Bald Bros because uh, Chris and Dan are if you, I shit you not, if you saw them from a distance, you would a hundred percent think that they were brothers. Like right. they both are like shaved head. They've got similar body types, like clothing. Are they on style. Instagram? Yeah. Let's check it out. Um, but yeah, so we went up there, uh, Nate, the dude that is basically like their guy in the chair that kills it in the shop, him and Mel, uh, basically do all the day-to-day operations because a bunch of those dudes are still active duty and nate fucking crushed this event we did uh he had skydiving during the morning so we went out to a drop zone and uh had a bunch of other companies out there they did some jumping and then we went back they had rented a beach house and we went shark fishing basically just hung out on the beach house and uh caught a six foot I think it was six foot nine inch bull shark that night. So we were just hanging out and is it those guys there? Yeah. Yeah. Right so that's actually another Kyle. <laughs> There's a lot of Kyle's around, dude. Oh yeah. It's funny too. Cause like you go, you go a long time without meeting other ones and then you meet like four of them. Yeah. The I find that there's people, there's a lot of people my age that are named Jason. There's a lot of people your age named Kyle. How old are you? Uh, I'm 32. Okay. Yeah. 32 in right August. On. So can we, can you talk a little bit about your military service? And the reason why I wanted to go into that is because you've, you've mentioned, you know, a couple of different events and a couple of different, a couple of different, um, veteran related causes. And it always, I'm really surprised, um, at the job that your generation <clears throat> does. And I, I don't put myself in there because I, I'm, I'm not military, but you know, my dad was military and there wasn't, there didn't seem to be anything like it was just your, your, your service ended, right? Yeah. Your conscription and ends and then you just a... go get your go get a fucking job. <laughs> yeah. Bury that shit. Don't talk about it. Keep a stiff upper lip. 
drink on the weekends, you know, yeah. and <laughs> slap your wife around, be mean to your kids, you know, get divorced. And I feel like your generation of veterans is still one of the toughest and still one of the um, most benevolent groups of people that that it's not a, it's not the handout situation. It's the hand up. Like, I feel like everybody on their way out of the military now um, that has a healthy relationship with with where they were at has always got their hand in the back, like passing the baton or in that. And I don't know yeah. if that makes any sense, but yeah, you have yeah. organizations like uh, are you familiar with TT Vets? Uh, so Doug Joe's, is actually the dude that Joe Staz uh, introduced me. I, we haven't met like Joe's a great guy, dude. We've Those, talked a little bit on Instagram and like they do amazing things. Yeah, it looks awesome. Like, like they I grab a vet and they're like, around. "Come here, you know, we're gonna take you out. We're gonna fucking we're gonna take you to a rally." And and they they give them the opportunity to experience like all the pieces and parts to it. It's, it's really cool. So I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about your military service because. I'm finding that people in my generation are maybe on the front, uh, didn't do it as well as what you guys are doing it. Cause I'm 49. So I'm, you know, I'm about, I'm almost 20 years older than you. Right. Yeah. So like I go back to the original desert storm. Yeah. You know, most, like of, most of shit. that stuff just kind of like, cause both of my grandfathers. So I had one that was enlisted. Uh, he retired. He started off, both of them started off in the army and then, uh, my mother's dad ended up going and uh, becoming a pilot. No shit. And so he was, a, he was a helicopter pilot through, I think, Korea and Vietnam. Damn. Um, he did a little bit in Korea, and then Vietnam was like he did a, a bunch of flying during that. And then my other grandfather, I he was in the Army at one point, and I'm not 100% sure what all he did. Like, I never – he passed away before I got old enough to where we could actually have a conversation. Yeah. Like my other grandfather is still alive. So like, it's cool because you know, he always jokes around the majority of my family is pilots. Okay. So when I joined, you don't, up, you're, you don't have the physique of a pilot. No. When I joined <laughs> up, I was like, Hey man, uh, I'm going to go jump out of airplanes. And is that what like, you did? Yeah. So I, I kind of have a weird thing. So, I'm nowhere near as cool as a lot of my friends are because they've got shit tons of experience and like have all these super cool stories. I started off, so I went to college for a little bit, did that whole thing, worked at the Harley dealer, um, had my first kid, ended up in Alaska with that whole situation and started doing uh, firefighter EMT. <laughs> So I was a fire medic. I started off at a volunteer department and then went to a paid department as a volunteer and then got on to where I started uh, basically getting paid and working on shifts. So what are you about, stuff. 22, 23 now or 24? Uh, yeah, so I was like 20, I was like 21 and so yeah, I was probably, I was probably 22, 20, between 22 and 24. So you moved from Florida to Alaska on yeah, your own without being told you had to? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a kind I get of a it, shady but, situation, but right? Yeah, um, yeah. Found out stuff later that I was like, "Damn, it, I'm an idiot. I could have just stayed in Florida." But <laughs> you know, shit happens for a reason. So right? I worked as a fire medic. I loved being a medic. I loved trauma medicine. Um, and so I got to the point where I was like, you know what? Like, I've I was a shithead when I was a kid, so I got in trouble and. 
I was like, you know what? Like, I like doing medic stuff and I like trauma stuff specifically. What is it about trauma that you like? I don't. So for me, I'm not really like my wife will sit there and watch like all of the like surgery shows and stuff like that. Like where they've got dudes like flayed open and they're like (laughs) fucking around with tendons (laughs) and stuff. And I'm not like, I don't know. It's weird, man. Like, I'm just like, yeah, that's cool. Like, I don't really want to watch that. (laughs) Like. But then you put me like in the back of an ambulance or like on a medical call that's trauma. It's like my my brain just kind of clicks. Really? It, yeah. Like I I don't. I'm complete opposite. It's like compartmentalization almost to the point where like you just start you do that like muscle memory thing. Yeah. And it was like awesome because like with trauma medicine or whatever, like you go there when people are at their shittiest basically, and you package them all up, stabilize them and get them to a hospital. And then, you know, the people that you end up, it's like, holy shit. Like, how did, how did that dude survive that thing? Like, that's insane. (laughs) Right. And I was a part of it. So I can see that. That's cool. That's very cool. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Like when I, when I'm doing stuff for work or whatever, like you, you kind of just learn to like what your, your actual feeling is on something like, Oh, I don't like blood or anything like that. Like you're not thinking about any of that. You're just like in the moment, like your adrenaline spikes and you're just like going through steps and you're just like, you're trying to balance that adrenaline versus like the calm, right? Cause like, you've got to be super just calm and like flow and work with your partners and stuff. And so like, I really enjoyed that. God, um, I feel like that that's what, see, I, that just shows you how ignorant like I am. And I think a lot of people are is like, I feel like that's what causes some of the PTSD problems is because of the compartmentalization of that. And I don't know, I don't yeah. understand PTSD. I, I know people who have it and everybody I know that has it, has it from the military. So it's like, it's like this razor, this, these eggshells that you walk on if you're talking to somebody about it, because you don't want to be the reason that they're having a bad day, yeah. but you also want to have them, you want to help them have a good day. And it's like, I don't understand. I've never been in that situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I mean, I guess fortunately it kind of sucks on my end because like I joined. So I ended up joining the guard up there in Alaska. Okay. Uh, I tried to go active duty at the time I was a single father. There was a waiver for that and the active duty didn't want to give it to me. And so one of the guard recruiters came over and was like, hey, man, we have we have airborne units and stuff. And I'm like, you're you're full of shit. Like there's no airborne units up here in the guard. Like there's only the SF dudes and like, there's no SF unit up here. And, uh, what does SF stand for? The special special forces. Yeah. So the guard has special forces units. Um, like Florida has three twentieth. uh, the headquarters for 20th groups in Alabama, they're kind of scattered out. Mm -hmm. And then you've also got 19th group and those guys are kind of scattered out in like most of it's in Texas. Okay. Um, and I was like, yeah, you guys don't have that job. And so then they were like, no, we've got, we've got, do you know what a LERSH unit is? I was like, I have no idea what this is. And it's, it's essentially, it's a long range reconnaissance unit. Um, they're airborne qualified. Uh, they get to go to some of the schools cause it's, it's primarily your conventional force that just goes out in front for the battalion commander gathers as much information as you can to relay so that they can move their pieces around. And I was like, that sounds cool. Do they have medics? And they were like, yeah, they've got medics. So I was like, cool. I can be an airborne medic. Cause at the time active duty would only take you if you like, if you were guard and you wanted to switch over after your first contract or whatever, okay. you had to have a, 
they were only they were being super strict back then so it was like if you were airborne qualified good if you were just a regular infantry or medic not good like we don't need you we can get tens of millions of high school kids to do this um so i was like okay cool so they tried to get me a airborne uh medic slot for that unit and they didn't have any of those because they didn't have any open slots so i ended up doing the infantry thing because i was like well at least then i get airborne and that's out of the way because in the guard it's a super hard school to get like if you're in florida you can you can win like best warrior and like be like the poster boy for the florida national guard and be like okay what do you want you can have anything and they'll be like uh yeah we can't give you that <laughs> really it's yeah. funny to me that you can actually i never thought about it like this and, and maybe you can correct me if i'm if i'm wrong but it's it's kind of bizarre to me like when i was in high school <clears throat> there was you could go sign up for the military right but i they never talked to us about like is it an mso which you're yeah, or no uh, mos mos, MOS yeah. right what your jobs what your your like i didn't think there was like a way to there was no internet, so you didn't oh, know yeah. what happened in the in the, in the military, right? And there wasn't, and our dads didn't talk about it, and technology really hadn't changed over enough. Like the internet wasn't there. Oh yeah, you know what like, I mean? So, I remember, I remember. <laughs> so my one grandfather worked out at they they all lived and worked at Eglin. Um, so after uh, my grandfather that was the enlisted retired, he took a civil service job out at. Uh, six rtb which is a uh, six ranger training battalion okay um it's like the last part of ranger school so i used to go out there to work with him all the time and i remember being in like the school library and there was like i i gotta find those books just to have copies of them now but it was like these like elementary grade books right and right. it was like on all the different like MOS MO, well it was like on all the special operations right so like there was a book about seals and there was a book about like i think like air force pjs and, and then force was, recon and yeah and green force beret recon, and then there was a green beret and there was a ranger one and i was like for some reason like at that point i was like i don't know the seals whatever <laughs> like right the pj thing kind of seemed cool and then i saw like i remember seeing in the SF and in the the Ranger one, I specifically remember them like sitting on Zodiacs, like paddling all camoed up, right, like, right. on some creek somewhere. That's a visceral memory. Yeah, it conjures up like kind of like a feeling inside. Yeah, and that you then had there was also kid. on the SF one or whatever, it had like a team that was sitting there and they had like security pulled, and then there was a dude. They were like hooking up for uh, what is it? Is it? I think it's spies, like basically where you clip into the line on the rope and the oh, helicopter yeah, yeah. Okay. picks you up out of the tree line. Okay. Um, and I was like, dude, that is that is fucking awesome. Like as like, you know, a kid in like third grade or something. <laughs> yeah, you like think that. it's awesome until you. It, but it's just to me, it's weird that we know as much as we do about the military now, just through the through movies the course of the internet and, and movies and things. Well, <laughs> movies was the only way we knew about anything, and it was all fucking Rambo shit, you know? Or that... Um, Charlie that, Sheen. <laughs> yeah, Platoon came out. I remember Platoon yeah. coming out, and it really... Like, I can't watch movies. Like, I've never seen Full Metal Jacket. I can't watch <laughs> shit like that. It's too intense for me, you know? Yeah. Like, and so 
but it's weird that you can go into a job. There's there's a, a way for you to apply for a job where your job is to go kill people. And I don't mean it in a in a yeah. disparaging way. It's it's a very bizarre when you step back and look at you know, what do you want to do for a living? Well, if you want to be military, at some point in time you're gonna be trained to kill somebody. Yeah. And that that's the and, and we have to kill bad bad guys. I mean, I'm yeah. not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying it's a bizarre thing when when you think about <laughs> Think about it in, in yeah. those in those terms. Yeah, like, do you want to be an electrical like technician? Like, yeah, that was the thing this? that my uncle was. Be, or do you want to be an infantryman and go like close with and destroy the enemy? Yeah, <laughs> my uncle like was the only. My dad and my uncle were the only two people. My dad in during Vietnam, he drove a he drove a giant earth mover, right? Okay. And and my uncle was the only other person I knew that was in the military, and he was like he fixed radar, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> on, on the USS Kennedy. So, I mean, yeah. like neither one of those guys saw any combat during Vietnam and they were both enlisted during Vietnam and they just kind of avoided that just yeah, by a just sheer talent that they had. You know, that's one of the things that I think the military does a, an amazing job of. And I wish the whole world thought like this is the battery of tests that they put you through isn't to find your cognition and where you fit in, in, the in elementary school or in high school to so make sure you yeah. can read like obviously you need to be able to read you need to be able to but they they take all of these folks and they give them that asvab and then the battery of other tests that i'm sure they take yeah. as you're going through school to where they kind of move like you were saying like um the way you were describing it before was it made me think of like the game of risk right yeah. you know what i mean where you have the table with all the little yeah, thing yeah. And you're playing war yeah so but, everybody everybody has their part like and of course, like it's part of like the infantryman culture, right? Like you're either infantry or you're support. Like it's right. it's one of those pride <laughs> things, right? So like as a young like fresh, which I wasn't, I was 25 when I actually like went to basic and everything because I had done the fire medic stuff and then shipped out. So this is only seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, I've been in for seven years with them. So. Are you still now? Yep, still okay. in the guard. So you're in the guard. Yeah. I'm so in, but uh, you signed up in Alaska. Yep. And you're in Florida, so do you transfer down so here? So I went, I was trying to transfer to alert unit down here so that I could go get my paramedic mm -hmm. stuff done. And uh, that was kind of a weird, I ended up in the Florida Guard just simply because the alert units were all getting deactivated. And I had called up one of my buddies from college that I knew he had, he was a AGR, it's like active guard um, over with 20th group. And so I hit him up and was like, hey, what's up, man? Like, what's a good unit to transfer to in Florida? Because all these other ones that I was supposed to be going are disbanding. And uh, he was like, oh, well, you know what a C troop is? And I was like, yeah, dude. Like, I was supposed to be switching to this Alabama Lurch unit, but now they're just trying to get me to go into the Alabama Guard, like transfer from Alaska Guard to the Alabama Guard. And I was like, that's not happening. Because each state has their own... Sure. Different states value their their guard differently. differently. Yeah. So, like when you look at it, like Texas, if if Texas National if you Guard live in is... Texas and you want to do like Texas you don't want to go active duty, but you want to be in the military, like Texas National Guard probably cares the most about soldiers in terms of like you'll get free college, not only from like your GI Bill, but like from the state like the state has a ton of benefits and stuff that they don't really talk about like it's not really common knowledge so like texas takes a lot of pride in their guard unit they've got uh, 
the first unit that I was in. So the Lurch unit got rolled into uh, BCO 143rd uh, Airborne Infantry. And then uh, they actually reflagged uh, the headquarters for the 143rd was actually in Texas. Right. So two of the two of the other companies plus the headquarters unit was all down there in Texas. So Texas is like all in. Like at oh, one yeah. point, I think they had two. They had 19th group and 20th group. They had the Lurch unit. They had an airborne infantry unit. They've got their like I think they've got like a tank unit. Like they've got they've got everything. Florida is is pretty good up there also like uh i was gonna say florida is pretty patriotic state and pretty i mean and we're one of the first we're if if the if the fit hits the shan we're one of the first primary targets i mean there's a lot of military stuff here yeah all of what is it i think socom headquarters is there yep um but yeah so florida is pretty good too like florida you get a hundred percent uh college through the state so you don't have to use your gi benefits if you want to go to school um, there's a ton of other programs too, that kind of help you. Like, I know it's been a big topic of debate, but the, uh, troops to teachers thing has been around for a while. Like if you want to become a teacher, you can go through, I know they just changed it and it's been this big, huge thing now because there's a teacher problem to... here in Florida. I used to be a high school teacher here in Florida yeah. and it's, it, there's a problem. Now they opened it. They've opened up the requirements a lot. Cause originally it was like, Hey, you want to be a teacher? Okay, cool. Like, here's your path to go through to get your degree and all that. Right. And now it's kind of just like, Hey, we really need teachers. So let's stick some of these dudes in there. Right. So it's been, there's been a lot of funny memes and it's been pretty well in in there. It's because there's a, there's an egregious shortage of teachers in this state because there's an egregious lack of pay of teachers in the state. My mom's been a teacher for God, probably 30 yeah, and your mom is over thirty. If she's years, got a master's she degree a and she's in a big, I was. <laughs> if she's in a decent, uh, in a decent district, she's probably making maybe sixty, fifty to sixty thousand dollars, or maybe a few bucks more than that. But you know, you go to like you go somewhere back east, or you go up north where unions are still pretty strong, and teachers will make seventy, eighty, ninety grand. Yeah. You know, with a master's degree, and you know, I, it was a great job. It really is a great job if that's what you want to do. You know, it's you work 185 days a year, but uh, a lot of teachers will tell you it's the hardest part-time job they've ever had in their whole life because you're. It's there's a lot to it. It's very nuanced, yeah. and now you know you can't say, you know, discipline is a problem. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. It's the kids like. God, yeah, it's yeah. I live my neighborhoods across from. Uh, elementary school so like we walk over to pick up our kids and drop them off and stuff in the morning right just because of all the traffic sure. and stuff it's like just walk over there yeah right exactly <laughs> you we live close enough to the school to do that and it's crazy like you see all different types of like parenting styles and everything oh, yeah. and it's like like my kids get away with a lot more than I did as a kid, but at the same time, like well, you understand discipline if you've got that military grade discipline. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, there's a line where you, you yeah, create and there's it. like the military discipline, like the old military discipline, where it's like, hey, but like most of the guys nowadays are pretty laid back, like <clears throat> just. I don't well, know. It, I mean, the culture has shifted from that like high and tight, like do this to more of just like. I don't know, man. Like I've got one, uh, one buddy. He runs a a yoga company now. Yeah. Like, uh, it's called uh, American Yogi, and that's how he found his way to cope. So it's very more like chill, like 
not really hippie. It's it's that nice like blended in between the two, right? Like, yeah. Well, it's how about learning how you know like uh, do you know who Jordan Peterson is? I don't. So he's this. Uh, he's a he is a um, professor of like human studies. I believe for he was he was with Harvard or Yale. One of those. He's a Canadian. Um, I post his, I repost his stuff a lot, but he talks about how a dangerous man is a good man, you know, and a dangerous man is somebody that, that, that that knows how to be dangerous when it's needed. Right. But keeps it under control. And that's an important thing. So how did you, so you're still active duty. How did you get, how did you get, uh, hooked up with strike force energy? Uh, so I bounced back and forth between like doing active guard stuff and then I'll do civilian stuff. And, uh, so before all of that really kicked off, I, I basically just found out that they were local, right. um, and I started using their product and had good interactions with uh, Derek, who's one of he's he's basically our guy in the chair, right? He, he does like right now. If you went went into our office, Derek's there. Gotcha. <laughs> like, you you can count like three hundred sixty five days a year, every day that Strike Force is open, that Derek's probably there working on stuff and like making sure that things are going on. Whereas Bruce and I, like I travel for events all the time. Like I was just gone this last weekend. We uh, supported the dudes up at Brandon Harley again, the weekend before that I was up in the panhandle. Um, Like Bruce is up in Michigan right now. So we, we bounce around a lot. Whereas like Derek's are consistent. (laughs) Yeah. He's the home base guy. Yeah. He's the consistent guy that's there all the time. Um, and I had good interactions with him because I had some mess up. I don't even remember what it was. I think I like upped my order, but then I didn't cancel the other subscription. Like I had it set up on subscription or something right. like that. So, so you end up with like a year supply. And yeah, one like basically time. I ran out. I ran out early. Oh, so you I ran ordered, out. Got you. I ordered some more stuff. And then I had this other one that was scheduled on this day. And I didn't think to cancel that one or like pause that one for the next month. And had a good interaction with him. And so I ended up meeting Bruce in, I think it was either the spring. It was either the fall of 2016 or the spring of 2017 is when Bruce and I first started talking. And he was like, you know, had a good back and forth. And we met and he was like, okay, well, as soon as the, uh, what was it? We were working on rolling out in 7-Eleven at that time. Okay. For the state and he was like okay so as soon as that comes to fruition we got all the pieces in place then i'll bring you on and so took some time we had talked back and forth for a couple months and then i think i started at the very end of it was 2017 it was right after hurricane Irma had come through here okay we had been activated so we were doing hurricane relief stuff come to find out because i hadn't actually been down here to visit him and see the shop and everything come to find out Bruce's house was literally across the street from where we had been staying for like a month while we no were kidding. doing all the hurricane operation stuff. I'm like, now that I know him, I'm like, dude, I could have just walked across the street, taken a shower and like had a rum drink and walked back across the street and like <laughs> been good to go. Cause our showers got backed up and stuff. So it was like, Oh, you guys were doing kind of that in that, that yeah, mobile we housing deal. The, we were doing all the hurricane relief stuff at the convention center right across the street. So it was, it was funny after the fact. Cause it's like, dude, we raided your seven 11. Like the seven 11 that was there by his house had nothing. 
Like, That's where you did all your grocery shopping on a daily oh, basis, all, all your you food had shopping. That and the Walmart up there, and those were like the only two things that were open. Um, but yeah, so I started then, and then just kind of hit the ground running, and basically drove all over the state. I was still living in uh, Lakeland, Georgia at the time, and uh, so I would drive down. I'd load up stuff in the back of my truck, and I'd drive around to all these different. Uh, 7-Elevens and either do demos or restock them. Like, we were sure. doing all of our distribution. And so it was it was definitely fun at times, and it was also, like, ridiculous because you're driving to, like, Miami. And there's – I mean, I, I think at one point I had, like, 100 – I don't even remember how many 7-Elevens in the state, but I think I had, like, 190-something 7-Elevens that I rotated out through and then I would constantly like if a new one came up or if I passed by one, you'd stop in, talk to them, do the whole thing. Or this owner would know this person or this owner would own like four stores and be like, Hey, I want them in all four. Right. So it was just constantly on the road driving all the time. It's cool when you see a new brand that you haven't heard about before. And then you find out that there, you know, that it's a, a smaller, you know, individually or family owned company and they're producing stuff themselves. You know, and yep. they're doing it. They're doing it right, and you know, it's it's cool. And then you finally, how did I not? Like, that's what I told you. I'm like, what? I how do I not know that there yeah. is something like this around? Because we've been trying to get like Red Bull. I've been trying to get Red Bull here in the in the shop for the longest time. We have people that come in here, and you know, they're like, do you have a drink machine? No, we don't. You know, yeah. And that's a simple that's a simple thing. But these are pretty cool. These are like a, uh, and it's cool. They're not a powder either. I yeah. know that's weird yeah. to, to say that so, you don't want some to be a powder, but like, have you ever bought those Mio's? They're like in a little squeeze yeah. tube. They they don't really taste that good. It's no, just it's so just the, an alternative to water. But this stuff is in the same kind of package as what like a a like powder a drink package. would be. Yep. But it's it's cool because you can just kind of throw it into a into a, a, a bottle of water and shake it up, and, and it does taste good too. It doesn't have any weird aftertaste, which most of your diet shit does. You know, if they say no calories or no sugar it's going to taste terrible so this stuff actually tastes really good yeah it uh yeah we definitely the, the taste was a big thing when i know like when bruce was formulating and everything the other flavors taste like identical to whatever the the flavor is on the box right um the original is probably my favorite but you can mix those in pretty much everything we have people that make like cocktail mixed drinks uh if you put the grape one in a beer it tastes like grape soda really like a bud light or something like that i'm gonna try that yeah so you have grape you have orange lemon you have lemon i don't want this to sound like a commercial because it's not but i'm just bugging you to bring some of this stuff over and this stuff is good so it's caffeine b vitamins taurine and potassium so let me ask you a couple questions then like technical stuff so what is it in an energy drink that actually produces what the energy quote unquote that, that you feel from it? So there's a couple of different ones, right? Like, and depending on which drink it is, they all kind of like some of them will use like natural caffeine is kind of a, a big thing now where they're using like uh, green bean, like coffee extract or something like that. Right. Um, for us, it, the big thing was to give enough caffeine so that you get, like that energy right. along with the B vitamins, but formulate it to where it's more as opposed to like a Red Bull or a monster or something like that, where you drink it and you like get that spike. Right. And then you crash, crash. afterwards. 
we kind of formulated ours like the mixture of caffeine and B vitamins and stuff to where it's similar to like a Red Bull and like a five hour energy. So you get, you get that energy, but you don't, now, if you shotgun a packet or whatever, <laughs> it, it hits pretty yeah. quick. But if you just mix it in there, it's it's a nice like peak of, hey, I've got energy, and it doesn't just have a sharp it's drop It's kind of a nice taper. Yeah, it's like a nice dynograph, right? Right. Like, nice and broad all the way through. There's not like a bunch of like... Drop off. I'm up, I'm down. Wheel spin. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the best way to put it. Like it was just supposed to be something that you can use... Um, there's not a lot of sodium in it because caffeine and that kind of stuff already dehydrates you. And a lot of the other ones have like a ridiculous amount of sodium. And most of that comes from like the carbonation, like the stuff that preserves it and keeps it carbonated. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of, we've got, we've been working on some new flavors. So we'll have some new flavors coming out. We're hoping probably... Probably look for something around Black Friday. Right on. Um, and then we also have some other stuff that we're looking at probably the first of next year that we'll start kind of releasing out. So are you the, are you kind of the guy that's um, that's kind of taking it around to the the events and stuff? Like, what other events do you guys do? It, it, are you are you so, just hyper focused on the motorcycle stuff because that's the space that you occupy, or is it more like that's something that the that you find that there's, and the reason why I'm asking is because are you, are you focused on the military angle at all, or is it just really it's just a, a really good retail product, and you happen to be taking it to places that you hang out? So we actually we started off super in the military. We still do. Like that's why we do a bunch of stuff with the charity, like the Hero Games charity. Right. Uh, we do fundraisers for them. We just did the Veterans Expedition, which raised money for two different military charities. Like if anybody's ever deployed um like you send me an apo i'll send them a care package nice Uh, like that's a no-brainer um but we started off like very in that military space um and so we we started like we've been doing the military space for so long but there's all these other different markets or whatever where it's like okay we focused on that like we're going to still continue to do that but how do we grow outside of that and still keep to where you're not diluting why you do what you do on that space right yeah like i see companies do that right right like um so that way like you know the we did the military thing and then the backpacking like hiking outdoor stuff like i love going up into the mountains like i'm from florida so like i'm a beach person right Right, sure i enjoy just going up into the mountains with like a pack and like hiking up a mountain and just kind of taking it all in because it's it's something different that's nice and so like we have a bunch of people that start doing that and then like the hunting space and stuff like that's something else that like i enjoy doing i have a bunch of friends that you know are big in hunting uh, especially like up there in alaska it was all spot and stock so you're what does that mean um basically like you know most of the hunting down here is like tree stands okay Right. So like you have oh, spot your area. And stalk. Yeah. Okay, spot and stock. So like it's you're you basically go hike up a mountain <clears> until and you find your you, food and you start you chasing it. Just walk around, you glass and then you're like, okay, cool. There's deer that I want. And then you have to kind of like try to get. Are you afraid up. of bears? Not really. Uh, so up Fucking there, what? So up there we had, we had you know, bears, bears don't kill you. They eat you alive. So 
Like that, I heard that, and that freaks me the fuck out. So like legit. So where I lived in Alaska, we didn't have like there might have been like one or two on the backside of the island of brown bears, but like brown bears aren't. They're not in that area, that island that I was on, right? They're they're not common, but the black bears up there, like for the most part, they're basically like raccoons. That's what that's yeah. So they're just like trash pandas, like they're still huge. Trash like, panda, I love they're, that. They're still huge. Yeah, like, but they're that's how that's how they, black bears are in Michigan too. They're just we just say they're giant raccoons. Yeah, but down here they're gangster. Like in Georgia and Florida, they'll they yeah. they'll fuck with you. I, I may or may not have gotten in trouble with Jackson Guard or. So I was driving home one night when I lived up there uh, in the Panhandle. Yeah. This is when I was in college, and I was driving home one night down uh, 85, which is one of the roads that goes straight down to where I live, <laughs> and had a huge boar, like huge black bear boar, run out from the median like this way. Right. Because he almost – I was the only truck – like the only vehicle going southbound, and then there was like three vehicles going northbound. So what I'm guessing is the they northbound traffic spooked him, and he just – took off running and instead of running behind me <laughs> where there was no cars because there's no cars ahead of me uh he basically just smacked into the this like side corner of my front bumper like driver's side corner of my bumper and yeah the i remember i was literally in an area where i had no service and the radiator just started spiking i'm like i'm not gonna overheat my motor so i pulled over and was like shit i don't have service what do i do Damn. And then a state trooper rolled up behind me. And so I like hop out of the truck. I'm like, Hey man, I don't know what I hit. Like it was either a big pig or it could have been a bear. Like I don't, it was a big black furry blur that just came out of the median. Like it wasn't even on the side, like the shoulder, it was out of the median. And he was like, Oh, hold on one second. Racks his shotgun, like flips around, turns his light on and then drove a little ways back and turns around. He's like, nope, you got him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so Jackson Garb wasn't too happy because apparently he had, a, like, a collar. Because they're in, now they're still endangered. Yeah, but, but you didn't swerve to hit it. Oh, I know. But they just were mad that I One of their bears. their, like, prize, like, specimen-giving bear. Yeah, well, so. how about put it in a fucking cage then? <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> well, it's funny because I've got friends that are FWC officers, yeah. like Florida Fish and Wildlife, yeah. that are dudes from my unit. And I remember because they were they were labeled as endangered, and then that uh, was it. It was a couple of years ago they opened up bear season, mm -hmm. and like all of the tags were gone in like a day. Sure, <laughs> like, they issued all these tags. Thought it was going to take like you know a month or so for people to fill, and it was like two days or something like that. They yeah, were all filled. Uh, and wildlife management weird. Out. Yeah. Oh well, you mean tree huggers? Yeah. Yeah. Which the thing is, is like that's one of the things about hunting. Like my buddies that are FWC officers are avid hunters. <clears throat> yeah. Like, you. They understand conservation. You have to hunt. Like I'm not saying overhunt. No, but like, but you have to hunting hunt. is good. Like it allows, yeah, the ecosystem to. No, it it, it it's absolutely. Its that's thing. why you have like chronic wasting disease in places like Wisconsin, and they're so afraid it's going to come over into Michigan because you have to manage these herds. Yeah. You know, DNR in Michigan used to be a really really solid organization, and then just like anything, it gets politicized and yeah. it gets it gets watered down. How you know? That's one of the things that I think people forget about when they're over-politicizing things is that the military does so much more than 
they think we just that the military just goes over and starts shit with people. Yeah. And there's instances <laughs> where maybe that has happened. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's bad eggs but, and everything, right? Sure, like, but there's there's <laughs> there's a level of empathy. Would you say there's a level of empathy that is inherent in most infantry people and most military people? Yeah, I mean. Like, don't get me wrong. There's definitely, like, the joking around. Like, that's the thing is we all have a very dark sense of humor. Well, I, I was just going to say, it's but that's very, just a sense of humor. That's like, like, you know. If you, like, if a normal person walked by, like, some of my buddies or anything the like that, and that we're have. just joking. Like, and 90% of it is not serious. Like, most I would say of us, higher percentage most than that. of us don't even take each other serious. Like, we'll call each other names and, like, joke around and, like. It's just you have thick skin. Like, you learn to have thick skin, and you don't take stuff. Like, you know what actually matters and what doesn't, right? So, well, you like, have to – there's there's intent, right? Yeah. And so you can't see – that's what the problem with a text message or an online argument is. is you, to, you can't look somebody in the eye and, and have the intent. Like, I posted something a year ago, and this guy from North Carolina – I'm not – I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of paint a picture here, you know, <laughs> like the dude had like one of those old paperboy caps, like yeah. in this picture, and his in his like his is what do you call that? Your um profile your profile picture. pic was him and his wife with their son in the background, and it's like you know the old paperboy hat and yeah. the the uh, not corduroy but like um, burlap looking trousers with <laughs> suspenders like like it was some ridiculous fucking cartoon picture from like what somebody would look like in the yeah, 20s like the if they lived the in north Ca- one one step shy one step the- shy newer that right and he's like he just he sends me a dm he took time out of his day to, to dm me and tell me to fuck my politics and i was like okay which one because i have a lot of opinions and i'm like listen man like i wouldn't you wouldn't say that to, that's not how you wouldn't walk up to some i don't think you'd walk up to somebody and go fuck your politics like i wouldn't even do that to no, somebody the, that had like a lip ring and place, you know painted fingernails and purple hair like i wouldn't be like fuck your politics i'm like tell me about your politics right yeah like people do this don't talk about politics don't talk about religion it's like no i think we need to learn how to talk about that stuff open and freely in a group and listen to understand not just to respond oh, and, yeah. and win an argument conversation yeah is what People don't know how to have conversations nowadays. No, they just get... And I think it's getting better, though. Don't you feel like it's kind of getting a little bit better right now? Do you think that some of the people that have, like, spewed some of this toxic bullshit for the last two years realize, even now, realize that we're the country's being run by an invalid? Somebody who is... is no, no comment, as I'm still in the military. But right, yes. but you know what I mean? You can't, <laughs> yeah, but I'm yeah. just saying, like, I can... And it's like, you know, he's not, I don't think he's of sound, I don't think he's of sound decision making for himself. And so, and we see these things where he's stammering and talking over words and reading teleprompters wrong. And, you know, it's, I think the, the layers of the onion are getting peeled back and thank God we have like a military that yes, has a commander in chief, right? The president is the commander in chief of the military, but we have some pretty strong willed and people that are multi-generational military people that understand how that's supposed to work in order to keep all of us free. It's ups and downs. I mean, with the military, like nothing you can, you can be in a unit and it's fantastic. Right. right? And you move one piece out of there and then it, it's all, it's, it's all like, looks like a bad dino graph again. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's all, it's all ups and downs, man. Like I've had, I've had units that like, I'm like, Jesus, man, like this was awesome. And you like look back on it and you're like, oh man, like we had so much fun. Right. We were like, we were super close. We did all this. Have you been deployed? 
I, so I've only done like local stuff and like small trips. I haven't gotten any of the, the fun stuff. So the unit that I'm with now, we're supposed to start picking up our, it's a newly founded unit. So we're supposed to start with everything drawing down in the war. The Florida guard necessarily didn't have a whole bunch of, uh, deployments going on. And, uh, like there's still some to Africa, stuff like that. So, um, I think we just we've got a team going to Africa and some other places. Um, we've had some guys get back from Europe, so it's our the the new advisor job or whatever. I mean, it it has its ups and downs also in terms of what you can and can't do. But it's is in it terms al- of is it always for gameful employment and work trips? It's pretty good. So yeah. Well, cool. So, um, where can, so I'm looking online here or on Instagram. What do you have like your own Instagram profile? Uh, yeah. So mine is, uh, kilo Charlie two, three, I think. I don't know. Is it spelled out? Uh, yes. Two, three. I don't remember. There it is. Kilo Charlie two, three. Yep. Is that you right there? Yep. Oh, you got a private account. Yeah, it's fine. I've, and then uh, the one for Strike Force Energy obviously is just kind of spelt out, right? Yep. So we have Strike Force Energy, and then the the kind of the way that we got into the motorcycle things is Bruce has always been huge into sport bikes. Okay. Like he's got a he's got one Jixer that he somehow managed to get all the parts from one of the Isle of Man bikes and rebuild it. So like he's had when it comes to like race bikes and stuff like that, like he goes all in on like carbon fiber like all that stuff right like all the weight reduction like go fast sure. around tracks things does he do track days and stuff or is this just kind of like he used to do a lot of it up there when he lived up in uh like michigan wisconsin area he gotcha used to go do a bunch and uh so we've always like he had he pre-ordered and bought the first uh <clears throat> uh what was it 2022 busa his was the first one delivered to the state. Nice. Just because he had had a bunch of them and was like, I want this bike. And so he bought it. Um, but we were looking at building him a Harley because like Brian, his buddy rides Harleys. I ride Harleys, all that stuff. So getting more of a cruiser bike. Um, his wife rode a Sportster for a little bit and then ended up picking up a Indian Scout Rogue. Okay. Um, so she likes that. And so we went around. It was his birthday. We went around. We looked at uh, it was an older CVO that had a twin cam 117 in it. That it was kind of it wasn't full big wheel bagger, but it was more the lower. Right. But I had found it, and I was like, "Hey, man, if we can get something worked out on this, like that's a good baseline for a performance sure. build, right? Like your your motor, your trans, like a bunch of that stuff's done. You just have suspension and body work at that point to like switch some stuff around." Um, we looked at that one. I think there was like two other, there was, there was one that was, it was a street glide, but it was down there at, uh, Black Widow, Black Widow down in uh, Port Charlotte. Was it Black Widow or, uh, that's Rockstar, Rockstar, uh, Rockstar Harley Davidson is down there off of I-75 and like, uh, Fort Myers. I think it's either Cape Coral or Fort Myers. Okay. It's on the left-hand side. Like if you're running down 75. One of those got closed. I don't know if it was that one or not. 
I don't remember. Uh, so this one, I think, is still there because we just swung by. Like, we were down that way okay. looking at some stuff and swung in there just to bullshit. But there was somebody, I, I don't know who listed this bike, like the price on it. Somebody didn't do their homework. <laughs> it was 25000 It was a, It was a Milwaukee 8. I don't remember what year. It might have been like a 19... It was, it was no older than like an 18. It was like an 18 to a 20. Right. Lower miles. Uh, it had an Olin's inverted front end set up. So it's five grand. Olin's rear. So that's 1,500. Uh, BST wheels. Fuck. Yeah. 25 Gs? Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> that's 10 grand in suspension and wheels right there. Yeah. It, was, it probably had a chain on it too. Oh, yeah. A, it was It was like... Me personally, I, I should have bought it. <laughs> I rode my first road glide in, and uh, I rode my first road glide in like 2012 when the CVO, the black and white one, came out. I think you have one in here. I think I saw one. The like I had that, that orange one, yeah, or something. Oh, I know what one the, you're talking about. Yeah, the CVO, it's, yeah, where yeah, it's yeah, got yeah, that yeah. like ghosted. Yep. And one of the dudes was like, you know, because back then street glides were huge. Like I know, right? Wanted road glides. I had a road glide in 08. Everybody hated road glides. I love them. And I was, I was like, yeah, like I don't really, I didn't, I felt indifferent towards them, right? right? Like street glide was the cool thing at the time. And this dude was just like, he had his bike come in for service or whatever, and he's like, oh well, have you ever like ridden one? Ridden one? And I'm like, just moving them around and sure. stuff like that. I haven't actually like. He's like, oh, well, when's your lunch? Here, take my bike. <laughs> and I, like, went out and rode around. I didn't even go to lunch. I just rode the bike around, and I was, like, fell in love with them. Yeah, and you throw rocks at other baggers once you ride a fucking road glide with a fixed fairing. Yeah, you and so I, mean? I had seen that street glide or whatever, and I was like, uh, one of my my neighbor went down there or whatever because he had bought his bikes from there, and he ended up, he was like, hey, should I get a road glide or street glide? And I'm like, go down there on a shitty day. Like some a day that like there's higher wind and it's like not nice. Or yeah, now. get on the freeway and yeah. go buy a fucking semi and feel how you don't move. Yeah. I was like, and go ride a road glide. Like ride a road glide and a street glide back to back and tell me which one rides better. And he was like, Okay. So he went down there. He's the one that actually showed me. He was like, Oh, well he's like, I ended up picking up this road glide. He's like, But they were trying to get me this street glide and he's like, But it had a bunch of stuff on it, I didn't know what it was. Because he's still, like, newer into sure. the Harley thing. He had ridden sport bikes and stuff and, like, just kind of a hobbyist, right? Like, right. never, like, really gotten into, like, building any of them. Just kind of, like, rode them around, had fun with them, sold them, bought another new thing. And he showed me the picture, and I was like, what was your dude's name that you talked to? Like, send me his info right now. So I called him and was like, hey, man, do you still have this? He's like, oh, yeah, we should still have it. Uh, call me on Monday. I was like, okay, cool. And then he was, they still had it on the website for like two months afterwards. But some dude had, I'm sure some dude saw it. That tells it you what's like, wrong with Florida, the bike scene in Florida. Like, Dude, they have no, I, <clears throat> I've never been big on like bike shows, right? Like, because most of my stuff hasn't really been like show flashy, quality. showy. Right. Like, it's just been like comfortable or fun to ride. Like, if, if it doesn't make sense, then it doesn't go on my bike, right? Like, right. it doesn't serve a purpose or do something to better it, then it doesn't go on there. And uh, Well, that's what performance is supposed to be all about. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so we were up at uh, Brandon Harley doing – they had, like, a five-day event that they asked us to come out for and stuff. And 
So they were like, oh, we're doing a bike show. So I go over to the bike show, and like this isn't a knock on Brandon Harley because it was run separately of them, the person that was running the bike yeah. show. But they didn't even have a Dyna category. And then apparently there was a performance category, which I asked, and uh, there was another dude that had a road glide. Basically same setup, right? Like had cam, some motor work. Florida's five years behind everything else in the country. Dude, it's insane. I had no idea. Like when I rolled up here and I was like, oh shit, like that's an FXR. And then we walked over and he showed me your FXRT that you've got back there. Yeah. I was like, the hell? Like nobody has this stuff. We're like the best kept secret in the performance (laughs) game around here. We we got a dyno, an engine room. Like I'm, I'm all, I'm a, I'm a big horsepower guy. I love that shit. You know, I had a, I've, I've had bikes like that for, I rode a road glide in 08 and 07. I had a, Kenny Boyce Pro Street, which is okay. FXR based, right? Yep. Fuck, dude. It's like I've always been into that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like a hot rod guy. And, and have you seen the stuff? Uh, I think they're a German company, Dominator, Dominator Cycles. I'm pretty sure they're over in Germany, and they rebuild like FX, like they no. jig up their frames like FXRs, and they'll do like full carbon fiber, like you said, everything. Dominator. Yeah, it's. I think it's Dominator Cycles. They see make here. some fantastic looking stuff uh dominator cycles hmm. i want to say they're over in germany it's it's funny because here we go uh dominator cycles no posts hmm. no i have to find them dominator motorcycles is uh, what it, all right let's see here Motor. it's got like a dragon looking something thing on their icon okay let's see dominator motorcycles here we go. Yeah. But they're like building these things out of Germany. Like I don't I don't think a single one of those is like an actual FXR. Like I think they build their own frames and like basically are just building like kit cars versions. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Y'all follow them and check them out. Um But yeah, from a performance standpoint, so we ended up we couldn't get a Harley at the time. Ended up swinging by the Indian to check out the Challenger, and uh, may or may not have came home with a Challenger. Well, from every measurable metric, <laughs> this is the argument that I had with Jace Hudson from the Garageville podcast, or from uh, excuse me, from Fast Life, is like from every measurable metric on paper, the Challenger exceeds the abilities and the the, the capabilities of, of the Harley. Life. More horsepower, more torque, better suspension front. You know, inverted forks, Brembo, true Brembo brakes all the way around, radial mount calipers the in front. The front end, the long, like. Yeah. Um, no, that bike is impressive. I'm, I I'm, haven't ridden one yet. I'm really, so we still have, okay, so downside, right? <laughs> downside to the Indian. This is, this is, because like I said, if it has a purpose or if something's good, like, I'm cool with it, right? right. Like, I've got a Harley tattoo. I've had all Harleys. Right. That doesn't mean that if something else cool comes out that does something good that I'm going to, like, bash it, right? Right. So I was kind of on the fence. The first time I rode it, I, like, ripped it around the neighborhood or whatever and was like, damn, like, this thing, it feels a little more nimbler. Just, I, like, it feels like it's a little taller than, mm-hmm. like, a standard, ro- well, you know, yeah. roguelide specials are already lowered. So it, the stance seemed a little bit nicer, and it... It was heavy, but it didn't seem heavy high. Like, I had a V-Rod muscle at one point. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, man, that bike. 
was fast in a straight line, and exactly. it was neat to have the dual exhaust no, on shit. It does no shit. handling, but yeah. like as a as a younger kid, I oh, remember shit, I remember seeing. At least you don't have it now, because yeah. try to get fucking parts for that thing. Oh, dude, They're it's like trying to find gold chicken teeth for them now. It's ridiculous. I don't know anybody that'll do them though. Zippers like eliminated all the V rod stuff. There's some place in North Carolina that I saw that's like just pumping out big bore stuff for them. Wow. Like, and they're like big cubic inch, like 90s, eight. Like, I think they're in like you can get like a 98. That's pretty big. Oh, dude, those bikes like that motor rips. Like it does. If it was in a better frame or it like had a different rake, because I even when I had it. I was like, oh, can I like change this up and like make it right? Like, can nope. I raise it up? Can I do this? No, nope. because there were so many good qualities about it, but it only did one thing good, and that was going on a straight, straight line, line very like, fast, very fast in a straight line. It was a super cool party trick to have sitting in the back, but like the Road King definitely got ridden way more than it did, right? Um, but yeah, like it had a lot of characteristics to where it was like, I was like, this handlebars are shit. But that's every bagger, right? Like sure. every stock bagger, it's. You're talking some, the Challenger. Yeah, yeah. Like there, it doesn't matter if it's a Harley or like all the stock Harley bars. Suck. Yeah, the, I'm very critical of Harley, even though that's what that's what what I own and what I like to ride. You know. So we ended up getting Bruce, like I said, comes from sport bike. Right. So he saw the Indian Challenger race bike. Yeah. And I think there are six. 30 or something like that there's a, a weight limit right right they have to be like 600 and they got to be less pounds. than some of the other baggers because they don't have uh push rods yeah and it's it's or they got to be heavier sorry yeah and it's eight i think a stock challenger is like 800 pounds and i want to say he's already gotten 100 pounds off of it just, just probably with the exhaust and a few other little things um so exhaust it's got a bst front wheel we're still waiting on the bst rear he right. ordered it back in February. It's just parts. Taking a long time to get shit. Um, we put the Barnstorm MIG controls. So it's got MIG control kit on it now. Um, we just got the Barnstorm uh, dash relocation. Right. Which I don't care if it's Indian or Harley. Like, what Jake from Barnstorms did with how he laid out that dash, like, both of them should just, like, write that down in their notebook and, like. Copy it. Yeah, because it's awesome. Like your gauges, like literally, you can your actually heads up see display him. is right here, right? Like nice and heads center. up, and then both of like your speedo and tack are right here on the corners of it. You can see everything, and you can run whatever barge you want, and you have plain view of everything. Like it's it's a super cool design. Like because thank God for the aftermarket, right? Oh, dude. I mean, I've said to the longest time, it, like, Harley's Harley's less of a motorcycle company and more of a t-shirt company that sells unfinished motorcycles. And if it wasn't for the aftermarket being so proactive and creating uh, solutions to the problems and innovative yeah. things that allow that bike to be used in other places. I mean, let's face it, baggers aren't built to race, but they're racing the fuck out of them in oh, Moto dude, America and BRL. That last race, this last weekend I was watching, was in the rain. I know. It was in the fucking... Yeah, and it and wasn't people, like, yeah. oh, it was sprinkling. No, it was, it was like rain. rain. That like, was rain. The the two... What was it? Because it was Kyle, Tyler, and... Or Travis, yep. right? Travis Wyman. So Travis and Tyler were the ones running to win the overall series. Right. Like, depending on what those twos did and Travis slid out in the corner. Yeah. I saw that on the black bike and you yeah. know, I, in, I interviewed Tyler last year when, uh, when we were with torque and, uh, 
he's a super cool guy, but he's a competitor, dude. He's very, very competitive. He's like, that's yeah. his thing. Um, one of our guys, uh, so one of my buddies that uh, was in a sniper section, I guess one of his guys uh, does stuff with the Champ U school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we spot like sponsor him, sure. throw him a bunch of stuff. So he's out there racing his bike. He's got a sport bike that he rips around, but like, I guess they go out. Uh, I think they're coming down to Miami for one of them, but they bring in like the Wyman brothers and stuff like that. They have all these like awesome instructors. that will just show you how to like, you go out there, they give you everything. Do the, the track suits, day stuff. The bikes. Yeah. And they'll, they'll have you like practicing in a parking lot, just like knee scraping and like doing it's, it's a super cool little program that they got going on there. Um, but yeah, so Bruce being sport bike guy, like gets this Indian challenger. The one thing that I will say, the bike was cheaper than buying a road glide. However, because Harley has been around for so long, that aftermarket to actually make it a complete bike. Yeah. Like you were saying, it's very cost prohibitive. <laughs> oh, it is. It definitely, I think Indian's biggest, like, challenge isn't going to necessarily be Harley. It's going to be getting people in the aftermarket to actually support them and realize that they're going to stay around longer than victory or any of the other Indians that were running S and S motors and all that. Right. Stuff. Which aren't real Indians. Those are Gilroy's yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Other companies. So like, I think once they can get the aftermarket to start making stuff for them, they might have a run there, but that's their biggest hurdle right now because like Barnstorm's the only one making the mid controls and the stuff. Even S and S who has like race bikes. Yep. I was just gonna Bruce say Bruce called them up and was like, Hey, what do you guys have for this bike? Nothing. And they were like, Nothing. Nothing um, yet is coming. We it's met coming. the uh the Revolution Performance guys and uh they were saying like even even right now, the most that they can tune them is only to like seventy percent. So they're only getting like 70% of what that motor is actually capable of because nobody's been able to like unlock the, unlock the potential, the full thing, which I guess Indian of course has. Cause you see them out there on their race bikes, like the factory Indians, even with the RSD, like Indian right there next to it, like that bike starts pulling on that top end and it's just gone. Yeah. I think Daytona last year, he just pulled right past both of the Harleys on the straightaway. Oh, yeah. At the very last second. Like, they've been going the whole time. He started off in the pack, and there's, he just... It's like there's extra throttle there. Oh, yeah. Like, they definitely have a hidden secret in there in terms of that extra, like, 10%. So, what are you guys doing with the challenge? What's the goal? Just kind of... So, the goal is... Bruce's goal was to try to get it as close to the race bike weight as possible. So... The first iteration of it was we basically stripped down a ton of, like, excess crap, right? Like, covers that don't do anything and all that. Um, it's got BST front and rear, the mid-controls, which lightened it up considerably. The exhaust was heavy. The exhaust on the Scout Rogue was even heavier than the Challengers, which was hilarious because that bike is tiny comparatively. Right. Um, and then we've got a set of Kraus was it set of cross risers going in with some fly moto bars. So we'll play around with that and see like where he wants his hand position done. Right. Um, whenever the BST rear wheel finally shows up, then we'll slap that thing on. And then it got a carbon fiber front and rear fender and dash. And at some point, some other parts will probably 
they're just fucking expensive, man. Yeah. <laughs> I got to sell some they're, more energy drinks to, yeah, to pay for that they're, shit. They're expensive. But yeah, it's just going to be a fun rip around bike. I'm sure at some point, if he gets the opportunity, he'll probably take it to a track to go running around. Um, like I said, there's really not, it's kind of like the V rod was early on where like there's a set of exhaust cams and that's it because nobody really took, like nobody no. was developing parts. For There's them. not a lot of ways to, but the, the idea would be that the there's such quality engineering on the front yeah. that there might not be there might not be this big swing. You know, it just kind of shows you how choked off some of the other some of the other motorcycles yeah. can be. You it know? is cool though seeing like I was kind of I didn't know how to feel about the Milwaukee's coming in because like Evo sound amazing, right? Like out of all the Harley motors, the Evos probably have the best like chug to them, like. But the new Milwaukee's, it's impressive. They make a lot of power. Well, they're also so smooth. Mm-hmm. Like, people rag on, like, the Indians and stuff for being metric bikes. But, like, you hop on my Dyna, and then you hop on, like, a new Lowrider S, and it is, you're like, where's all of the, like. They can't even I call can, it a Milwaukee vibrator anymore. <laughs> yeah, like, I can see, I can see out of my mirrors without them shaking. Right. Like, my whole front end just bounces around. <laughs> So I think it's cool seeing everything performance-wise with the Harley. And because all of us, like, because Bruce and I both love motorcycles, we were just like, hey, events. Like, yeah, this is a good fit. Like events. And so we, this year we've kind of just scoped out stuff. Like, and you're going to be at Daytona for Biketoberfest? Yeah, we'll roll up to Daytona. Uh, we don't have a booth space or anything up there. Do some guerrilla right marketing. Now. Yeah, we, that's what we did this last time. We just so kind of went do. around and handed out samples and mm-hmm. boxes and stuff um and then we're working on getting a booth possibly at the harley dealership for thunder beach so right we'll on. be up there um i think leesburg is also i think leesburg is november, november. Mm-hmm. so we'll see if we'll be out there but and you'll be able to get strike force energy at cycle stop usa in lakeland if you're local oh yeah <laughs> um no, that's really cool, man. I want to get you. I want to get you in contact with some of my people too before you leave. Yeah, it'll and, be awesome. Uh, I appreciate you coming over here and sitting with me, and uh, we'll do it again too once once we get to know each other a little bit. And uh, I want to see that. I want to see that Indian. Oh, we'll bring the Indian over here. Right on. We, Throw it on our dyno. Yeah these these back roads coming out this way are probably the nicest little spot to get away yeah you can haul ass on 37 too you can go as fast as you want to go on 37 that's the thing though is like you can either haul ass and like have fun because there are some twisties it's not very twisty but there are some you go through stream song it is dude it is i mean there's it's some hairpins and some some tracks and stuff uh, yeah lithia too yep like out there i can't remember what road it's Thing. It's like yeah, long. but you run out of road there pretty quick where yeah. you don't go in this way. Like you start, it's like it kind of opens up all the way down to like towards like uh, plantation and and uh, Sebring and all that stuff, dude. There's okay. some fucking killer riding. So we have to go ride. Maybe we'll get yeah. get together and go riding on a Sunday, man. Yeah, leave the shop here and, and go do something. So, yeah. all right, Kyle, I appreciate it. I know yeah, you got to get back to work. Your phone, I, your phone's like yeah. blown up like nine <laughs> times. I like, see oh, you text hey. like, hey, what are we doing You're here? Be here before the kids get to dance. <laughs> right. You know, dad stuff. Right? Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for bringing this stuff out, and uh, yeah, and uh, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate yeah. it.